News Network. In a world where a sitting president's Justice Department attempts to take out their chief political rival by throwing him in jail, in a world where the economy is in virtual freefall with China buying up everything in sight, the eternal question still remains as we look to our future and the elected officials who will make it happen. Are you better off now than you were four years ago? We're TNN, the Truth News Network, and we know the answer and to spell it out. Here's Dan Newman. (laughs) Here's the answer for me. Well, with the exception of COVID-19 and a pandemic and a lockdown, yeah, yeah, there's no way I'm better off than I was four years ago. No way. Now, I'm healthy. I'm happy. I've got a great family. I've got great friends. And I'm in the right place with my heart, with God, so... That, obviously, is already taken care of and has been for some time. But all of the, st- the, the, the stuff, you know, the stuff that we get ourselves into every day, circumstances beyond our control, things like uh, our economy, uh, lawbreakers and lawmakers, you know what I'm referencing here, things that we can't control aren't even close to being as good as they were four years ago. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live. Thank you for joining us. It's a big week. We have many things already rolling out this week. We're going to get into those today. Yeah, they had that come to Jesus big moment in the House of Representatives behind closed doors last night. Gotta pick a House speaker. You do realize that The United States House of Representatives can't even have a formal meeting on the record meeting without having a Speaker of the House. Now, there's a temporary person, but no legislation can be proposed or certainly not voted on unless and until they choose a Speaker of the House. We're told that might happen as soon as today. Let's keep our fingers crossed. Meanwhile, across the big pond of the east and then the little pond right after that, the Mediterranean, yeah, the Middle East is on fire and it doesn't look like the firemen's on site yet to put out the fire. We'll give you the latest in all of that, but I want to start the show off with something a little bit different here. Got a good friend, actually calls me his uncle. Lance Thompson is his name. He is a phenomenal singer and songwriter, and I'm about to play you a song that is being released nationwide today from Lance Thompson. He will be here on this show tomorrow, and there are a lot of reasons why he's coming to Truth News Network. We'll get into that later, but I thought I'd give you the inside skinny about Lance Thompson's new song. Guess what the title is? If you're young, you get this. Yes, now, maybe. (laughs) Here's Lance Thompson, his brand new song, Toe Tapping Stuff. I think you're going to like this. Yes, no, maybe.
song a local guy lance thompson he wrote that of course that's him singing in the song it's brand new you were the first group that heard it it was released nationally overnight i guess but early this morning but right here in shreveport louisiana you're probably the first folks that have heard it today and he's going to be on the show with us he'll tell us all about this tomorrow uh he's a great guy african-american guy super musician He wrote that. You just heard his voice. He's pretty darn good. And he is one energetic dude. I promise you. So, why don't we get right down to business? Just jump on in it. A notification for you. This show is going to be shortened by 30 minutes today. Got a funeral of a close friend. Actually, a close friend of mine passed away, but his son and his son's family are really, really close to me. And his daughter, his daughter was Marianne's best friend in college at Louisiana Tech, and we named our first daughter after her. So it's a really, really close family thing. So we're going to be going to that funeral. I'm going to check out about 30 minutes later, uh, 30 minutes early today. I hope you'll give me a, a hall pass to do that. Why don't we get right to it? Why don't we just do the summation? of what's happened in Israel, why it's happened, and try to get some truth. And here's the reason why. I promise you, we're not going to be in this for just a short time. This is one of those things that it didn't just start this past weekend. This has been going on for decades. Hamas, uh, up north, um, Iran, Israel, bitter enemies. Bitter enemies. Justifiably, I don't know about that. So why did this happen this particular time? Well, if you watched anything up in New York that happened yesterday, Palestinians here in the United States, they went crazy demonstrating out there. And, of course, there were 
across the street, Israel supporters doing the same thing, but not quite the same way. Palestinians, Palestinians claim to a person, they claim today that what has happened through the weekend, 3,000 injured, more than 1,000 killed, slaughtered by Hamas up north Hezbollah, is Israel's fault. Don't ask me why they think that, because Hamas in the dark of night, launched not an attack but an assault of genocide on Israeli people. It's not the occupation. That's what those people up in New York were hollering about yesterday, that Israel is occupying Palestinian land. Israel has no presence whatsoever in Gaza. Now, that's the area that's controlled by Hamas, Israel removed all of its citizens, all of its troops, way back in 2005. And they haven't had anything to do with the Gaza since then. Yet Hamas's founding charter obligates Hamas, the organization, to destroy the state of Israel and to murder Jews worldwide. That's in there if you could compare it to our U.S. Constitution. That's what's in their Constitution. So, our lawmakers, we have several of them in Congress that call Israel and point a finger at Israel for occupying Palestinian land. It hadn't happened. The terror organization follows Nazi ideology. They idolize Hitler frequently display swastikas at official events. The world has many complex situations with multiple points of view, of course, but this isn't one of those. In this particular case, Hamas is simply dedicated to genocidal anti-Semitism. There's another reason for this week's carnage. Hamas is funded and to a great extent controlled by Iran, which is increasingly desperate to achieve nuclear capacity and to thwart the evolving peace talks between Israel and Saudi Arabia. There's no such thing anymore as an Israeli-Arab conflict or a Jewish-Muslim conflict, but instead an unstoppable tidal wave of peace deals, which Iran feels are a threat to its strategic position in the Middle East. For this reason and other reasons, Hamas is designated as a terrorist organization by most of the Western world, and that includes us, also the UK and the European Union. Though Hamas has not yet been officially designated by India, Prime Minister Modi has declared Hamas's attacks in Israel in recent days to be terrorist attacks. So what's going to happen next? Well... Israel declared it is now in a state of war, formally declared war, a war that Israel did not choose nor desire, but just when it's been thrust upon it. From official statements, Israel intends to exact a heavy price from Hamas to significantly degrade its capacity to do harm and possibly to end the terror organization altogether. 
Hamas hides much of its military equipment and personnel in neighborhoods, civilian neighborhoods, intentionally putting Palestinian lives in danger. Israel has already implemented its unique practice of warning before attacks so that the civilians can get out safely and carefully targeting those areas that are least likely to risk civilian harm. They're putting munitions, rocket launchers, they being Hamas, in hospitals, in schools, and in apartment buildings. However, given the Hamas use of human shields, perfection is impossible. We should expect unintentional casualties in the days and weeks to come. This stands in stark contrast to the deaths caused by Hamas, which were not only intentional, but were indeed the terror group's primary goal. To paraphrase a famous quote by former Israeli Prime Minister Golda Meir, if Hamas were to lay down its arms by tomorrow, there would be no more war. If Israel were to lay down its arms by tomorrow, there would be no more Israel. That kind of puts it in context. This is the dire situation in which Israel and the Jewish people find themselves today. Yet, Israel is determined to prevail in creating a safer world for all citizens. And that, my friends, includes members of Hamas. So Israel, we knew they wouldn't sit quietly by and just let this continue. They announced complete siege of Gaza Strip. They cut off water, food, electricity, and they vowed to destroy the military capabilities of Hamas. Israel Defense Minister Yoav Gallant said following a situation assessment with Israel Defense Forces, the IDF, the military will enact a complete siege of the Gaza Strip, preventing supplies like water, food, and electricity from even getting into the region. The defense minister said, according to the Times of Israel, quote, I ordered a full siege on the Gaza Strip. No power, no food, no gas. Everything is closed. We are fighting human animals, and we act accordingly. The Israeli Defense Forces has also said it's currently waging widespread airstrikes against Hamas targets throughout the Gaza Strip. The IDF's top spokesperson, Rear Admiral Daniel Hagari, said that the military has mobilized 300,000 reservists over the past 48 hours, saying, we've never drafted so many reservists on such a scale. We are going on the offensive. The chief military spokesman went on to say that Israeli troops have regained control over the border towns, but that some clashes with Hamas terrorists are continuing, saying, we are now carrying out searches in all of the communities and clearing the area. They're actually going door to door. Lieutenant Colonel Jonathan Conricus of the Israeli Defense Forces said that the attacks on Israel by the Islamist terror group were unprecedented and therefore required an unprecedented response, and that the goal is the destruction of the Hamas military capabilities to even strike against Israel. According to the latest estimates, 
at least 1,000 people in Israel have been killed by Hamas terrorists. And that includes, listen to this, 260 that were massacred at a music festival in southern Israel on Saturday. I told you a story yesterday about this one very famous peace-loving person that runs or ran a peace operation not for profit. They massacred her and then paraded her nude body all over Gaza yesterday. 2,400, 2,400 have been wounded in the fighting, and they're saying it will be well over 3,000 when the final numbers come in. According to Rear Admiral Hagari, at least 4,400 rockets rained down on Israel since the beginning of the fighting Saturday morning, which coincided with the Jewish holiday of Shemini Atzeret, the final day of the annual High Holy Day of the cycle. The Palestinians, meanwhile have claimed that 493 people have died in Gaza with a further 2,700 wounded. The IDF said that it plans to be able to inform worried family members within the next two days about the fate of their loved ones. There have been reports of missing foreign nationals, including the Britain, Germany, and the United States. Oh, my gosh. It just tears your guts out. So let's come back across the pond and look at some of what's happening over here. Senator Lindsey Graham, now he's a military guy, you got to remember that. And uh, he's very proactive when it comes to military matters. He basically, in anger, he said Israel needs to blow up all of Iranian's oil refineries. And he said they should do that if hostages are taken by Hamas and any of those hostages are harmed. At least 900 people have been killed in those attacks. It's over 1,000 this morning. 11 Americans number among those 1,000 today. Hamas took at least 100 hostages during the attack. For every Israeli or American hostage executed by Hamas, We should take down an Iranian oil refinery. That's what Lindsey Graham said to America Report's co-host Sandra Smith when informed by the Fox News host about threats by Hamas to execute hostages and do so, by the way, on satellite television live. What exactly would happen to the U.S. if we declared war on Iran and started blowing up their infrastructure, Carlson, Tucker Carlson, a co-founder of the Daily Caller and Daily Caller News Foundation, asked. Lindsey Graham has no clue what would happen. He hasn't thought it through. He's almost 70 years old and has no children. He doesn't care. Videos posted to social media show Hamas terrorists taking hostages and corpses of their victims to Gaza. Carlson also criticized former ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley, who urged Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to finish Hamas. This is an attack on America, she says. When in fact it was not, Tucker Carlson reminded her, adding that Haley was having a tantrum not displaying sober leadership of any kind. 
President Joe Biden. Where's Joe? Where's Joe? He didn't make a single public appearance or statement all day yesterday. In fact, he put the lid on the day right after lunch. In other words, when he does that, they put a lid on it. That tells everybody he's finished for anything public for the rest of that day. How could he do that? Doesn't he understand that he is supposed to be the leader of the free world and that when things like this happen, horrors like this happen, people all around the world need to see the United States and the position where we are in these incidents that happen like this? Of course, he's under fire for his policies toward Iran. He is a Iranian suck-up, to be honest with you. He is in the tank for Iran, including, by the way, arranging for the release of that $6 billion from Iranian oil cells that were held by South Korea for humanitarian aid, and they did that in exchange for Iran freeing five Americans that it was holding prisoner. While the Biden administration claimed the money was held in escrow, and, and they're still saying it, oh, that money, oh, they can't spend that for anything other than food and other types of humanitarian aid. They can't do that. How the heck are you going to know what they're spending that money for? And wait a minute, even if they don't spend it right now, they know it's over there in South Korea and the bank actually it got sent to Qatar. They're holding on to it. We know where it is. And our government tells us or they intimate that we have control over its being dispensed, which is not true. The bank that's holding it, it's not in a United States bank account. And it's a dispersal process. So if you're Iran, you spend billions of dollars operating your country. Now, guess what? You've got in an empty pocket right now, you now have $6 billion in your piggy bank that you can maybe take some of that later and replenish the pocket over here where you bought all those rockets and munitions that you gave to Hamas and Hezbollah. I would say, I can't believe this would happen, but this is exactly what everybody who knows anything about foreign policy warned America about long before Joe Biden was elected president. One former head of the CIA said this years ago about Joe Biden, he has not made one good foreign policy decision in his lifetime. This, my friends, could be the worst. Oh, I don't know. Look at Afghanistan. We'll get into that in a few minutes. Former President Barack Obama finally broke his silence about the attack by Hamas that triggered that military conflict over there. Hamas terrorists attacked multiple locations in Israel. It's not just in Gaza, folks. That's where they live. They're taking care of their neighborhood. It's in Israel, across Israel. More than 1,000 killed, including 11 Americans. 
Netanyahu said Israel's response to the attack will echo for generations as Israel began military operations against the terrorist group. Here's what Barack Obama said. All Americans should be horrified and outraged by the brazen terrorist attacks on Israel and the slaughter of innocent civilians. We grieve for those who died. Pray for the safe return of those who've been held hostage and stand squarely alongside our ally, Israel, as it dismantles Hamas. As we support Israel's right to defend itself against terror, we must keep striving for a just and lasting peace for Israelis and Palestinians alike. Now, here's something not many people are talking about. They have at least 100. I think the real number is close to 300 that they've taken hostage. Any targeting of our people without prior warning will be met with the execution of a civilian hostage. That came from Abu Obadah, a spokesman for Hamas. Meanwhile, President Biden has come under fire because while this was all happening, Over the weekend, he hosted a barbecue for White House staff Saturday right during the attack that was ongoing and for calling a lid late Monday morning on yesterday's official events for the president. Republicans, including Donald Trump, have criticized Biden over his policies towards Iran since the very beginning, accusing him of paying a ransom for five Americans that were held by Iran. What else can you call it? They were holding five Americans, none of them for any substantive reason, and they dangled those five hostages that they had in prison to Joe, if you'll just give us that money, it's our money. You know, that was our oil money that we got, and it's being held in South Korea. You don't have it in your hands, Mr. President, so it's no big deal, but the people of Iran can use it for food and Things like that. Yeah, right. They starve citizens in Iran to make sure their military and their terrorist operations have plenty. They don't care about their people. All they care about is killing us. They have tagged us, the United States of America, as the great Satan. And Israel is the small or little Satan but they say death to everybody in the United States and Israel. Seriously, they scream it. They wave banners about it. They are doing it in the streets of New York. Palestinians in New York City yesterday were doing that very thing. Many, and I'm one of them, are surprised former President Barack Obama even stepped up because in the past he has been, in many respects, pro-Palestinian. Now, the Pentagon has sent already one aircraft carrier to the eastern Mediterranean. We understand, not officially, but it appears a second one is in the area headed there. And that's supposedly a show of force to support Israel in its war against Hamas. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, if you're a regular here on this show, you know my thoughts about him. He was up to his eyeballs and everything bad that happened during Obama's first and second terms 
around the world militarily. Places like, you know, Jordan and Syria and Iraq, all of those places. Lloyd Austin was the commander of CENTCOM, which is the branch of our military all rolled in that take responsibility for everything happening in Europe, Northern Africa, and the Middle East. In fact, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, Lloyd Austin, they were the principals that formed ISIS. They called them Syrian rebels at the time when they did it, and those rebels were going after Basra Assad, Assad, the the king of Jordan for gassing his own people. And so they reached out to Hillary Clinton, then Secretary of State, Lloyd Austin, who was the head of CENTCOM and the White House, and wanted assistance. So we gave them money, gave them weapons, and we kept giving it to them. Money, weapons, money, weapons, money, weapons. You remember Benghazi when that happened? You remember those... Patriots that were on that plane that were circling Benghazi waiting for approval from our military leaders to go on down and save those four people in our consulate in Benghazi, including our um, ambassador to Libya. You remember that? CENTCOM commander, Lloyd Austin at the time, he told them they couldn't go. And then we find out later those rebels that we gave them all the, I mean, we gave them missiles, munitions, weaponry, small, lots of explosives to take on Basra Assad. They became ISIS. Thank you, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin. Thank you, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. Thank you, President Obama and Vice President Joe Biden. We have also taken steps to augment U.S. Air Force F-35s, F-15s, F-16s, A-10 flight aircraft squadrons to the reason, Austin said, the U.S. maintains ready forces globally to further reinforce this deterrence posture if required. These guys don't get it. You don't deter terrorists. There's only one way to stop terrorists. Let them not hear. Let them see what you will do to them as terrorists because we're going to do this and then do this, whatever it is. Any terrorist activities in the United States during, oh, I don't know, the four years of Donald Trump? Nope. Why? Leaders in every nation in the world, every nation knew that Donald Trump wouldn't take any of that crap. If you killed Americans, you were going to be killed. Deterrence, deterrence works, but it only works when you do what you are threatening to do when they do what they said they would do. And typically that only has to happen one time.
Movement of U.S. forces near to Israel will strengthen Department of Defense posture in the region to bolster regional deterrence efforts. I'm going to puke. That's Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin. Straightening our joint force posture, strengthening it and straightening it, in addition to the material support that we will rapidly provide to Israel, underscores the United States ironclad support for the Israeli defense forces and the Israeli people. My team and I will continue to be in close contact with our Israeli counterparts to ensure they have what they need to protect their citizens and defend themselves against these heinous terrorist attacks, Secretary Austin said. If I was Benjamin Netanyahu, and he is very, very pro-American, went to school here, worked here for many, many, many years, worked in Wall Street for that matter. He knows the United States well. I bet you when he heard that from our Secretary of Defense, we got you, we got you back there, Mr. Prime Minister. Netanyahu said, yeah, why don't you just send us the stuff and let us take care of business? We'll do that. We won't just talk about it. And I mentioned this craziness yesterday on the streets of New York City. Iran's mission to the United Nations denied on Sunday reports that Tehran was involved at all in Hamas's deadly attacks on Israel. In a statement, Iran's mission to the UN voiced its support for Palestine, but claimed Hamas acted on its own. We emphatically stand in unflinching support of Palestine. However, We are not involved in Palestine's response as it is taken solely by Palestine itself, the statement read. So the denial follows a report from the Wall Street Journal that claims that officers of Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard began working with Hamas to plan the brutal air, sea, and land assault on Israel, and they started it back in August. The Wall Street Journal knew about it and talked about it. Where's our military? Where are you, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin? Where are the Joint Chiefs? Uh, Where's the President of the United States? The Wall Street Journal cited in its report senior members of Hamas and also Hezbollah, which is a Lebanon-based Iran-backed political faction. According to the journal, The strategic meeting took place in Beirut, was attended by officers of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard and four representatives of other militant organizations backed by Iran. We knew it. The media knew it. Our government knew it. And they didn't do anything with the information, certainly didn't do anything about it. And people are dead and more people are dying. So, our executive-in-chief is really our appeaser-in-chief. So, let me give you some history. I bet you don't know what I'm about to tell you. Concessions that Biden has made to Iran in years leading up to these Hamas attacks. 
Since Biden took office, his administration has made several concessions their way. Concessions include failing to properly enforce legal sanctions put on Iran, resulting in billions of dollars in revenue for Iran, and making that $6 billion ransom payment for five American prisoners. The theory that if the West restrains, then Iran will restrain has fallen flat once again. Hamas, which is known worldwide since its inception as an Iranian-backed terrorist organization, launched those attacks on Israel, shocked everybody. Nobody was expecting it. The Biden administration has historically taken a conciliatory approach when dealing with Iran, like shelling out that $6 billion. The theory that if the West restrains, then Iran will restrain, it's a lie. There's nothing to it. One example of Biden's allowances toward Iran has been taking a softer stance on enforcing oil sanctions than previous administrations. No accountability. If you do this, this is what we're going to do. Remember an example? Barack Obama's red line in the sand to Basra Assad, the king of Jordan. If you gash your people one more time, you're going to get in trouble. He gassed him one more time. Basically, what Barack did was he backed up a little bit and said, now you cost this red line. See what, what I'm going to do. Terrorists don't listen to drivel. They respond to facts that they know will be enforced. Homeland Security investigations have not seized one Iranian oil shipment in over a year, despite the fact the organization's primary responsibility is sanctions enforcement. Bipartisan lawmakers have criticized the Biden administration for lack of action and intentional ignorance toward Iranian sanctions and violations. The Biden administration continued to ease sanctions enforcement following the recent completion of a deal in which those $6 billion in assets were unfrozen. Though the administration insists that that money can only be used for humanitarian reasons, it also frees up unrestricted funds that Iran already had in its reserves, allowing them to fund terrorist operations by Hamas or Hezbollah. That's experts telling the news media that. They already knew about it. Biden thinks nobody knows what he's doing behind the scenes. Additionally, Iranian President Ibrahim Raisi stated in September that Tehran has the authority, his word, the authority to use the $6 billion wherever they need it, despite previous assurances from the White House. The payout is likely only to embolden Iran to take more hostages in the hopes of another payout. Uh, That wouldn't make sense to me. What about you? The Biden administration has made such concessions to get Iran back to the negotiating table on that JCPOA. That's the Joint Comprehension Plan of Action. 
informally known as the Iran nuclear deal that was signed in 2015 by Barack Obama, according to experts who previously spoke to the media about details. The deal was scrapped in 2018 by Donald Trump for containing too many exemptions and severe economic sanctions were put in place instead. They didn't work until they were enforced during the Trump administration. Biden started from the very beginning of his presidency working on a plan to return Iran to that deal. But Iranian leadership has been largely disinterested and refused multiple proposals, leading Biden's administration to come up with new offers that ease some of the harsher aspects of the deal and waive certain sanctions. No deal offered has been accepted by Iran, and now it has enough enriched uranium to build 10 nuclear weapons in the course of four months. Now, we know that. The Biden administration knows that. And what are they doing about it? Squat. They're not doing a thing. Do you know that even when the JCPOA was enforced, the one, the number one demand in that agreement that the Iranians agreed to but never abided was for us to be able to send in our own people to confirm that Iran was complying with the terms of that deal. Now, why would they not let us go see what they had done? <laughs> it doesn't take a rocket scientist. They were doing exactly what they wanted to do. And if the information that we have says they could make that many nuclear weapons in four months, it probably means we could double that amount and probably in two months. Additionally, a number of members of an influence network known as the Iranian Experts Initiative, the IEI, they've gained access to U.S. officials. At least one of them has held a high-level position in the Pentagon. They're coming over here and getting infiltrating our technology, our military operations. The IEI was created in 2014 to influence U.S. and European academics to covertly push Tehran's agenda, either through media appearances, widely published op-eds, and government roles. One example, Arian Tabati, the current chief of staff of the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Special Operations in the Pentagon, and a former Iranian diplomat for the Biden administration. After it was discovered that Tabatabi was a member of the IEI, the Pentagon said it would begin investigating how she was hired. But it missed the House Armed Services Committee deadline of October 3rd, failed to produce updates on the investigation. October 3rd. October 3rd. Wait a minute, what happened? Oh, a few days later, Hamas obliterated the Gaza. And by the way, she's still in her role working for you and I. Another member of the IEI is Ali Vaez, a senior advisor at the International Crisis Group, 
who's made multiple appearances in Western media, written a number of pieces favorable to Iran. Vias visited the White House multiple occasions to meet with high-level Biden administration officials as recently as March. That comes from the visitor logs. It's not clear if the officials Vias met with were aware of his ties to the IEI, though it's certainly possible, according to Gabriel Narana, former special advisor for the State Department. In this case, they either ignored that influence, which has been quite evident to many observers and practitioners of Iran policy insider for years, or they actually were interested in cultivating someone with ties to the regime. Narana said about the White House allowing Vaez to visit, both Vaez and Tabatia are close allies to Robert Malley, the Biden administration's special envoy for Iran, who was recently suspended from his role. And you know why he was suspended? Over concerns about his handling of classified information and his ties to Iranian intelligence. Malley was previously fired from President Barack Obama's 2008 Democrat presidential campaign, fired for facilitating communications with Hamas. In other words, a spy. And here we are. Look at what is going on as we sit here in North America, what's happening in Middle East right now. No updates have been given by our State Department on the ongoing investigation into Mali, only that it exists, and he's still on unpaid leave. He hadn't been fired yet. This is the Biden administration, and there are people that are listening to this show right now that are hearing these things. They're hearing them for the very first time. You didn't get any of this on Fox News. You didn't. You didn't get anything about the IEI. It's not there. We found it, and we didn't have to dig very deep to get there. This is not just a conflict between Hamas and Israel. I promise you, it is a conflict between multiple Middle Eastern countries against Israel, and soon, my gut feeling, the United States. You need brake pads? We have brake pads. Like dependable brake pads, quieter brake pads, longer life brake pads, and performance brake pads. At AutoZone, we have all the brake pads you need so you can get the job done right. Get in the zone, AutoZone. If you want a smart truck, you want an F-150 with available pro-trailer backup assist. If you want a strong truck, you want an F-150 with a high-strength military-grade aluminum alloy body. If you want a capable truck, you want an F-150 with up to 13,200 pounds of available towing. So to recap, you want the smart, the strong, the capable Ford F-150. Society says we should only have tacos with the gang on Tuesday. But Taco Bell doesn't play by the rules. Step away from the tacos! With Taco Bell Party Packs, gangs are having tacos any day of the week, even Sunday. So whether your gang is soft, crunchy, 
or straight up locos. It's time to come together and fight for tacos any night. It's Taco Anarchy. Can you feel it? Are they dance fighting? Rebel against two-state tradition with Taco Bell Party Packs. Pick it up or get it delivered for the whole crew. Well, there was somebody in our rearview mirror in the entertainment world that was really on top of things dealing with this back and forth for, gosh, decades between Hamas, Hezbollah, Iran, and, of course, Israel right in the middle of all of it. Who might that person be? Well, it's a she, and she's no longer with us. Dave Rubin dug up an old audio video of her weighing in. Oops, I told you it's a her weighing in on this whole thing that we're still going through. This is like another chapter of this mess. I don't care. They started it. It is, you're all insane. They started it. I completely forgot about this video, actually. Um, but Joan Rivers, who has since passed, uh, in 2014, she was asked about uh, what's going on with, with Hamas and Israel as la- the last time that, or not the last time, they've done it many times over the years, including the day after we left Israel just a few months ago when they were lo- lobbing rockets over and you know building tunnels to, to murder people and everything. 2014, she's at an airport and TMZ asked her what she thought. And I did this video, I actually was the one, I think, that sort of made it go viral. I found it and got it out there. Uh, so this is from years ago, but I, today somehow people started finding it again. And, I, and just listen to, to Joan Rivers. So I'm trying to get celebrity reactions to what's going on with the Palestinians and Israelis right now. Let me just tell you, if New Jersey were firing rockets into New York, we would wipe them out. I am so bored. We heard they were digging tunnels from New Jersey to New York. We would get rid of Jersey. So I don't want to hear anymore. Oh, we'll do a partial truce. Palestinians, you cannot throw rockets and expect people not to defend themselves. What about the civilian casualty rate? Civilian, then don't put your goddamn things in private homes. I'm sorry, don't don't you dare put weapon stashes in, in, in private homes and then we say get out. Of, of course, we're gonna do it. The response normally is where the, where are the civilians supposed to go? I don't care, they started it. It is, you're all insane. They started it. What are you all saying? They started it. The Israelis did not throw their... For, for months this has been going on. How do you resolve it? What are you it? supposed to how do? do? How do you resolve it? How do I know? Because I have been over there. That's how I know. And I wish the world would know. And BBC should be ashamed of themselves. And CNN should be ashamed of themselves. And everybody, stop it already. You know, like uh, Dwight Howard tweeted, Free Palestine took it back. Selena Gomez tweeted... Uh, a pro-Gaza. Oh, Selena yeah, Gomez. Oh, yeah, that college grad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John, thank you. John, thank oh, you so much. Well, if Selena said that. Then uh, yeah. Rihanna has to take tell it back. Her, tell her, let's see if she can spell Palestinian. <laughs> I'll ask her right now. Thanks, John. Have a great day. Man, only, only Joan Rivers could make you laugh in the midst of all that. 
Um, all right. Obviously, we're going to have to do more of this, and this is not the way I like to do a show. And I, I'm most proud of the shows that we do when when we're laughing at the end. And I thought, man, that was a funny show. That and that's why people tune in. Um, but I guess my job now is a little bit different uh, because clearly this this thing is also going to just reach into every sort of sector of society. Like the world is like we either stand for truth and and honesty and reality and Western values or not. And this this just ain't going anywhere for now. Well, we hope it doesn't go anywhere worse than it's already gone, but I can't in good confidence say that there is an ending of this in sight. This whole conflagration is actually centuries old. It's that long ago that this rift started. You do know how... Of course, we know how the Israeli people came about, God's chosen people. These were the people in the Bible, in the Old Testament, that Moses led them out of captivity from Egypt, and they headed toward the Promised Land. And they disobeyed God a number of ways in this trek, so he made them just go in circles out in the desert over there. If you've been over there, you know there's plenty of desert to go around for 40 years, and then finally... They crossed the river into the promised land, which is now roughly the nation, the boundaries of Israel. But this conflagration began far, far before that. You know Father Abraham. You've heard the song if you went to church, Father Abraham. Abraham wasn't a Jew. He was, I forget what his background was, but he was a man that sought out God. And God and him connected, and they got close. And God promised Abraham that from his seed, Abraham's seed, he would create a whole people, nations, in fact, of people was the promise. Abraham couldn't have a son. He and his wife, Sarah, could not conceive a child. And this went on and on and on. And then when God made this promise about from Abraham's seed would come nations, Abraham told God, how's that possible? I'm old. My wife's old. She can't conceive. So instead of waiting and trusting God's promise, Sarah, she saw the frustration in Abraham, and he had told her about the promise God gave him. And so she said, just, just go have sex with my handmaiden. And he did. And they got pregnant. Well, his handmaiden was not Israeli. She wasn't Jewish. She was what's called today by some people as an infidel. And uh, from her, they had a son. Ishmael was his name. Ishmael, from his seed, came Islam. So there's a lot of other moving parts in that, but I wanted those of you that didn't understand how this all began. This whole conflagration has been going on since that time. We could spend all day doing <laughs> Well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go there. Let's, let's just come back up. Look at what's happening over here right now. You know who Representative Ilhan Omar is, Democrat of Minnesota. She drew an angry reaction 
after she and didn't surprise me or very few other people, she accused Israel of committing a war crime over the Jewish nation's retaliation against the Hamas terrorist who slaughtered hundreds of Israeli citizens in that savage attack over the weekend. Now think about that. All those Jews went to bed Friday night thinking, ah, it's another, we got a weekend coming up, we're going to go do this, 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 and this. And they wake up in the middle of the night, early morning hours, overnight, missiles, rocket firing, an invasion. Hamas hit 27 different sites across Israel at the same time. Their world changed. And so we know there were 700 dead, we know for sure, before Israel could even mount any retaliation. But one of our brain surgeons in the House of Representatives, Representative Ilhan Omar, she said Israel is committing a war crime because they retaliated against Hamas. Now, she's Somali-born. She's a charter member of the mouthly left-wing Democrats known as the Squad, followed up on her call for an immediate ceasefire. Ah, yeah, I, I mean, you killed 700 of my people, I'm going to, oh, I'm going to lay my guns down. Uh, yeah, let's, let's just go for peace. That doesn't make any sense. Palestinians have few recourses for justice and accountability. Attacks by the IDF, Israeli Defense Forces, and settlers against Palestinians are regularly met with impunity. Efforts to seek justice in international courts are stonewalled by the Israeli government with U.S. support. That's our member of Congress that's saying this. As the world is condemning Hamas's attacks, we must also oppose an Israeli military response that has already taken the lives of hundreds of Palestinians, including nearly two dozen children. The Israeli defense minister has called Palestinians human animals. Okay. Let's analyze that just for a second. I told you about the family yesterday. A mom, a dad, four children. They lived in in Gaza. And they had a safe room in their basement. You know what a safe room is. It's a, a wall that, uh, it's a room that's constructed of steel walls and a steel doors for protection in times like this. They all got down into their safe room. Hamas came into their house, found them in that room downstairs. They tried to uh, break down the door, Hamas did. They couldn't do it, so they blew it off. They drugged the dad, the mom, and the four kids, drug them out on the street. When they got out on the street, they immediately killed two of the kids. Hamas did. Just shot them. Bam, bam. I don't know the ages. And then a crowd had come around, and two 
Palestinian rebels took turns raping the woman. Raping the woman. So the dad and those two kids watched their mother being raped. And then they shot the other two kids. And they let the dad stand there and watch as they stripped his wife, tied a rope around her neck, and tied the other end of the rope onto the back of a car and made her parade behind that car around so everybody could see her. And then they turned around and shot and killed the dad. And after doing all of this to her, they shot and killed her. I would think that would qualify as being human animals. The Israeli defense, and, and that is just one example. They slaughtered everybody. Men, women, children, it didn't matter. They were killing every Jew that they could come across. Instead of continuing unconditional weapons sales and military aid to Israel, I urge the United States at long last to use its diplomatic might to push for peace. <laughs> Ilhan Omar, she's from Somali, she's Muslim. And she is totally committed to terrorist members of Islam. There's no other way to put it. She justifies what's going on. And there are many. The streets in New York City yesterday were full of people, Palestinians. And I watched, I forget what network it was last night, but I watched them going up network people on the street at these two demonstrations. Israelis, they kept them, thank goodness, kept them across the street from each other. But they talked to the Israeli protesters. They talked to the Palestinians. Palestinians were carrying signs that were saying, kill, kill, kill. And they, uh, the person doing the filming, the video, asked some of these people if they thought that killing Jews was okay, and they said, absolutely, it's okay. That's what we're supposed to do. It's a taught behavior. It's not something that just came from nowhere. Hey, why don't we go out there? You thought about this ever? Let's go kill us some Jews. They live for that. They live for that. Now, don't get into a religious debate in your head about what I think and feel. Let me tell you what I, I'm a Christian. I think every person that breathes on this planet deserves a right to serve their God, the God, the God. And that right is unconditional. I believe there's one God and I believe that God created all things on earth, created man and woman. I believe he had a son that came to earth as a perfect individual. He died on the cross for our sins, and on the third day he rose from the dead. I believe in that. Now, I differ with devout Jews on that. 
they believe Jesus was a great man, but not necessarily the Son of God, and not every Jew feels that way. There are many, they're called Messianic Jews. They believe that Jesus, the Messiah, is the Messiah and is the Son of God. So you don't have to agree with everybody. But isn't it cool that in the United States, our founders, and this this is getting all messed up politically, there is nothing, nothing in the Constitution that says that you have to separate government from Christianity. It's not there. Now, wait a minute. Separation of church and state, we've heard that our entire life. That's not in the Constitution. What was guaranteed by our forefathers in the Constitution is that the government of the United States will never declare a religion the religion. It never said we had to stop recognizing things in public on, for instance, state buildings, U.S. buildings. That's not in the law. They made it up. And it fit a narrative. It's anti-Christian. That's what it is. So are we just supposed to swallow everything hook, line, and sinker? No. Are we supposed to reach out and get in their faces and shake our fingers at them? No. We're supposed to let God love them through us. You don't have to agree with everything. You don't have to make them think anything about you at all. What we need to be, you need to think this every day. If you're a Christian, and let me just say this, if you're not a Christian, if you're a Muslim, you need to show kindness and love and care for everybody who comes into your life. I tell people this in this 6 a.m. prayer meeting. Every once in a while, I'll bring it up, encouraging them in their Christian walk because we all have different circumstances. We have different geographical locations. We work with different kinds of people. Everything's different. But the universal thing that we can do is show that we care for others and let the Jesus that's in us shine out through us, let them see it. You don't even have to get in their faces and wag your finger in their eyes. They'll know by the way you live and what they see in you and how you live. They'll know who you are. I tell those people in this prayer meeting, I tell them this, sometimes you are the only Jesus these people will ever see. Let me repeat that. Sometimes you are going to be the Jesus, the only Jesus that these people will ever see. Now, what do we do in those situations? Well, let me tell you what Jesus said. Quote, if you lift me up, I will draw all people to me. All you got to do is lift me up and let me be who I am and everything's going to be okay. You do your thing and you do it well. Now it's time to do it bigger. It's time for Shopify. 
Shopify makes it easy to set up your online store. Expand into new sales channels and bring your brand into the real world. Get everything you need to launch your business today with Shopify. So you guys grew up together? Yeah, since third grade. What are you looking at? I w- I'm not looking at it. We're not good enough for you. You look for something else? No, I, just, I don't know. What are you, that's big that's supermodels? Who's us? Supermodels? What are you model? Gloves? What are you doing? A girl's totally into me. Brad, eat a Snickers. Why? Because you get a little angry when you're hungry. Better? Better. So, ladies. So, losers. Stacy, relax. I'm sorry. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. Budweiser presents the world's first star in your own radio commercial. Okay, guys, whenever you hear this sound, insert your name. Hi there. Your name. Sorry I'm late. Sometimes there just aren't enough hours in the day to be a neurosurgeon and a swimwear model. Oh, am I thirsty. How about it? Your name. Got anything tall and cool? Oh, Budweiser long necks, though. Your name. You are so thoughtful. But of course, Bud's the first choice for every occasion. Ah, you know I have a confession to make. If I ever had a son, I'd want to name him. Your name. Oh. Your name. Come here. Now. Your name. Your name. Your name. Well, you did very well in your first commercial. Have a Bud. You've earned it. Your name. Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. Violence, screaming obscenities, heated arguments, angry crowds, roller derby? Nah. Election season. And your voice of calm is truthnewsnet.org. Let me ask you this. Do you get caught up in things that are all around you? Maybe they're all coming at one time. And do you feel like you're ever overwhelmed? You just kind of go, my God, I can't take any more of this. I've got to sit down. I think all of us have experienced that at least once in our lifetime. It's not fun. And sometimes we can get overwhelmed. We've got to be able to process these things analytically. Let me give you an example. Uh, I'm a very analytical person. I think I'm ADD. I've never been formally diagnosed. But Marianne will tell you that I am really good at handling when I have this one task. I've identified it. Or she's identified it for me. And this needs to be done. So I go do it. And I'll do a good job of doing it when I get done. If there's another one, I'll go do it the same way. But if you tell me, here's what I need for you to do, to one, two, three, four, five, six, now go, it overwhelms me. I'm an analytical person. So what we've got to be able to do is not lose the important things to the noise of everything that is going on at the same time. You can't afford to leave something off the plate that must be taken care of. And it can be any one of a number of things. And it can be critical. Sometimes it can be important without being critical. You know what I mean. We've got to get into a state of mind where we can handle every day what comes our way. 
Not everybody is wired the same way. I don't need to tell you that. I'm sure you see it yourself. And therefore, some people are really good at doing one thing, maybe something that somebody else can't do. But you can't do something else that they do easily. And therefore, we put groups of like-minded people together, like-minded not meaning somebody that they all do the same thing, but somebody they're like-minded to reach a cause, a unified cause. Here's what we're going to do at the end of all of this, but it has all these moving parts. Then all you do, you know you can't do everything. You first recognize your limitations, and then you go find others that excel at these individual things that you're not good at, but they are, and they're not good at what you excel at. And you put these groups together, and you just make the opportunity show up. When it shows up, bam, you tackle it. Sadly, far too many people in the United States especially They feel like they've got to be experts at everything. And so they just act like they are experts at everything, especially when they're not. I know Joe Biden was in the U.S. Senate for 50 years. I know he was eight years the vice president under Barack Obama. Obviously, he did some things well. But Joe Biden, I think he may be in the late stages. (laughs) I'm not talking about late stages of life. What I'm talking about, the late stages of ADD. And I think he's been very, very poor at picking the people that aren't good at what he does and bringing them into his administration, then empowering them to do those things, give them the resources they need to do them and do them well, and then holding them accountable. I don't think he's been able to get off the first part of that, identifying those who are good at things that he's not good at. Now, he tells everybody who listens, every interview he does, every press meeting that he does, he tells everybody how good he is, how hard he works, but he won't talk about the things that are undone and remain undone or has somebody doing them that doesn't have a clue and just makes a a mess of everything. That is so apparent, not just to Americans, but to leaders around the world. And ladies and gentlemen, that's why Iran did what they did overnight on Friday and Saturday. That's why in Afghanistan, that's why we left $82 billion worth of military equipment. Basically, we just walked off of the air base, Bagram Air Base, and gave those to the Taliban. There was no preparation. There was no planning. There were no people put in the, in the process that here are the moving parts in withdrawal from Afghanistan, and here's what we've got to do, and here's what we have to do in particular things. We have so many airplanes. We have so many helicopters. We have so many pounds of explosives. We have so many tanks. Trump had a plan. 
The Biden administration said, oh, Trump didn't have a plan. They didn't give us anything. It's a lie. I saw the plan before Donald Trump left office. It was published. You could go look at it. It was very exhaustive, comprehensive. And they had the Taliban knowing what would happen if the parts of that peaceful withdrawal plan that they agreed to as well, if they didn't do that? Let me give you a factual illustration. They were in meetings, video meetings, President Trump, our Secretary of Defense, and the leader of the Taliban, And they had agreed to the terms of this agreement. They were signing. It was a signing ceremony online, basically. And Trump, he got on the video and he said, here, let me show you something. And they put a video up of the leader of this terrorist group's home. And Trump said, if you don't follow through on your commitment, we're going to blow you up right there. Do you think Trump would have done it? I don't know. I think he would, but I don't know. There's a difference in think and know. Now, how does that pertain to what this president would do or not do? I don't even need to answer that. You know what the answer is. Much of the trouble that Joe Biden is in right now. Make no mistake, he's in a lot of trouble. He is getting in the process of getting caught with evidence about a lot of wrongdoing, illegal wrongdoing. It's very, very close to catching him. He didn't think any of this through. He thought he was invincible. He and many other Democrats thought back in 2008, then 2012, and then 2016, hey, we've got this government taken control of. We're going to quietly lock it down over the next 8 to 16 years, and there will forever be a government that runs this government, and nobody else that disagrees with that will ever be able to break into the Democrat Party oligarchy or authoritarianism, whatever you want to call it. But there was a fly in the ointment that popped up and kept that from happening. His name was Donald Trump. Now, when things go wrong, the groups of people that I was just talking about, when I was giving myself as an illustration of attention deficit disorder, Those people have a plan in place. And if there's one problem with one area, that's typically one problem with one person. And there's somebody else that can be inserted into that place. You think Joe Biden's got that planned out like that? Heck no. Absolutely not. Joe Biden's not a leader. Never has been a leader. He's not an honest person. That's one reason why he's not a good leader. But just because he's not a good leader doesn't mean he's not good at doing things. He just got in the wrong lane at some point, and he certainly is in the wrong lane here. When he was working 
underneath Barack Obama, he may have been in the right spot because Barack Obama kept him handcuffed. He was more than anything a face, a name. He had been around a long time. Barack Obama had. And when somebody misses their gig within this whole process, everybody pays a price. Let me give you a today example. Israel ignored warnings about the plans that Hamas had to conduct a surprise attack. They missed it. It wasn't just us. Israel missed it. Now, this is coming from Egyptian intelligence officials. Israel was focused on the West Bank. War ensued Saturday in Gaza. That's according to this Egyptian intelligence official. Hamas terrorists infiltrated Israel's border from Gaza Saturday, and they killed and kidnapped and raped hundreds of Israelis. We have warned them an explosion of the situation is coming, and very soon, and it would be big. But they underestimated our warnings, the Egyptian officials said. Much of Israel's attention has been paid to Prime Minister Netanyahu's judicial overhaul and the division it created within the country. That's contributed to the country being caught in this surprise attack. Israelis living in the West Bank who support Netanyahu had been calling for an increase in security in the West Bank. And that roiled the IDF. That's the Israeli Defense Force in a way that was, I think, we discovered was a huge distraction. That's Martin Endike, a special envoy for Israeli-Palestinian negotiations during the Obama administration. All content created by the Daily Caller News Foundation, an independent and nonpartisan network service, is available for no charge to any legitimate news publisher that can provide a large audience. They made all of this. They made themselves. Daily Caller. They made their whole operation wide open for anybody to come and report anything and everything of import to the United States or our allies. Nobody in Egypt would give them this information and tell them. Nobody in Israel wanted to talk to them about it. Now, does that mean Netanyahu's feckless, he's unworthy? No, it means there's a lot of moving parts and little bitty circumstances can really change things. A fly in the ointment, that's something that you've heard that term before and I have many times. And then it comes down to this. Sometimes it comes to this. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. Sometimes no matter how hard you plan, how honest you are, how good you are, things just get messed up. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you weren't here at the top of the show, I let everybody know, show's ending 30 minutes early today. Close friend of our family lost 
the head of the family, 90-plus years old, and he's really, really close. His, one of his daughters is who we named our oldest daughter, Kimby Lee, named her after, and they have been close friends and family members for many, many years. And so I want to say this. We're going to be back regular. Everything will be normal tomorrow. Please don't get angry with me for for doing this today. I thought about recording the show during the wee hours of the morning and playing it, and and I could have done it without your even knowing about it. But there's so many moving parts, so many things happening minute by minute. I, I couldn't bear to think about something desperate happening overseas, something even happening here that we would need to talk about live. So I said, everybody will understand. It's okay just to finish 30 minutes early. So I also told you at the top of the show, a local young man, Lance Thompson, he calls me Uncle Dan. Uh, I'm nothing but an advisor to him and a close friend. He is a really good musician. He's a great songwriter. And first thing, he's going to be on the show with us tomorrow. You don't want to miss this interview. You're going to find out, if you live in this area, you're going to find out what a young African-American man that sold out for doing the right thing, what he's doing. And it's not just making music. It's reaching kids for the right reasons. And who can argue this generation, these people that are being immersed every day in wokeism, trying to just get their heads around how to live a life. I can't imagine starting my life in this particular time. But he's going to be here. Today is the launch nationally of a song that he wrote. We played it to open the show. And we're going to play it to leave here. This is Lance Thompson a great Christian young man, songwriter, but he loves pouring himself and his life into other people. I will see you tomorrow morning, 9 a.m., 9 to 11 a.m. Central Time. Lance Thompson, too.
in the way that you make me feel so good and I'm hoping that maybe you'll feel the same way to all together now I'm not dead, I'm alive and I'm crazy about you and the way that you make me feel so good and I'm hoping that maybe you'll feel the same way Don't be shy, come on, sweet darling now 